0: Sometimes the stars don't get a lot of love during OTAs, but New Orleans Saints running back Jamal Williams absolutely deserves every bit of love there is. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day, every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, so that you never miss the daily uploads. As always, if you want to keep the conversation going, you can do so one-on-one with me over at joinsubtext.com. Slash Locked On Saints. I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on saints today's episode of locked on saints brought to you by bird dogs make sure you head up uh, hit up the website birddogs.com locked on nfl and use the promo code locked on nfl to get a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order I'll tell you more about all of them later but on today's episode we're going to take a look at the dalvin cook news dalvin cook expected to be released by the minnesota vikings how could this possibly impact the new orleans saints we'll break that down We're also going to take a look at the OTA week three lineup. You've been waiting long enough offense, defense to take a look at who played where with a little bit of assistance. But first, I want to highlight the performance of Jamal Williams, new New Orleans Saints running back Had 17 rushing touchdowns last year, led the NFL, former, of course, uh, Detroit, Denver Lion, Detroit Lion, uh, and then before that, Green Bay Packers uh, running back. But his performance, Jamal Williams' performance over the course of the three weeks of OTAs, was one that maybe should have drawn more attention than it's gotten. But it is a little bit tough if you're Jamal Williams because you're already a star. You're already playing at a position that you can't really evaluate during OTAs because no one's really trying to tackle. You're not being taken down to the ground. You're not fighting off tacklers, anything like that. But there were some things that I thought Jamal Williams did that that were really impressive that were still highlightable, I guess you can say, when it comes to OTAs. The other thing about it, too, is that, look, Jamal Williams is a star. And because of the fact that he's a star, because of the fact that he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year, I think we look at a stellar OTA performance and go, yeah, okay, well, that's as expected. Check that box and then move on. Who's catching passes, though? Like, that ends up being kind of the exciting part of it all. But I do think that there is something to highlight around um, around Jamal Williams. And in fact, I've got one, two, three things to highlight around Jamal Williams in terms of things he did well at OTAs that I think will translate to the field during training camp and eventually to start off the season. So the first thing that I want to highlight is that Jamal Williams, well, this isn't really the first thing, but here's the overall thing. Jamal Williams is going to be an outstanding and perhaps outside of the quarterback position, the best addition that the Saints have made so far this offseason to their offense. And yes, that includes Foster Moreau, that includes some of the draft picks, things like that. I think Jamal Williams is going to be the guy that can be the biggest addition for the New Orleans offense behind Derek Carr for this offseason. And a big part of his ability to do that is him showing off what he can do, not just as a running back, against 17 rushing touchdowns last year, but showing off what he can do as a pass catcher as well. And I know that a lot of the touchdowns that he scored last year, uh, you know, particularly the the rushing touchdowns that he scored last year came, you know, in the red zone. But even in seasons to where Alvin Kamara had you know, 17, 18 rushing touchdowns, uh, a good portion of them, the majority of them, came in the red zone as well. And a lot of the receiving touchdowns that Alvin Kamara added all came in the red zone as well. It's a vital place for your running back to be a part of your game. That's just how the NFL works. And so having a guy like Jamal Williams, who is already so impactful in the red zone, which we're going to circle back to here in just a moment, but now also adding and, and continuing to build the pass-catching acumen that he showed when he was at Green Bay, makes him all the more of a threat. Because now when Jamal Williams is on the field, as he continues to develop as a pass catcher in this offense, then all of a sudden, he doesn't key anything to the defense. He doesn't give anything away. He can still be used as a pass catcher out of the backfield, but he could also run it right up the gut, but also has what it takes to be able to get around the edge. And that was not the next piece to all this when it came to the rushing attack of Jamal Williams. He was impactful during New Orleans Saints OTAs as impactful as a running back can be when no one's trying to tackle you. But he was shifty, nifty, getting outside of the tackles as well. There's a couple of different things that we saw. Him being able to get that one cut while you know, uh, kind of angling out toward the sideline, running around the tackle and or tight end one cut, get north and south, and then be able to hit that outside gap between the tight end and wide receiver while heading straight towards the end zone Those types of quick adjustments, quick twitch ability, the suddenness, the quickness, kind of the same things that actually Dennis Allen highlights about Brian Brzee, you can actually kind of see in Jamal Williams, but he's doing it in a different way. He's not doing it to to tackle, he's doing it to not be tackled. But you can see sort of how these things can be impactful, both on the offensive and defensive sides, but for Jamal Williams, how that adds just another layer to his game. If you're somebody that can rush between the tackles, But also rush and win outside, but also be utilized in the pass catching game, but also be a solid pass blocker, which we'll have to get a better feel of when it comes to Jamal Williams and his fit as a pass blocker in this offense over the course of training camp, over the course of games, potentially even preseason, to really be able to look at that. But if you can do all what is that, four, four of those things, right? Yeah, four of those things. If you can do all four of those things, then all of a sudden You give nothing away when you're on the field, and then your playbook, if you're the New Orleans Saints, hardly changes despite whoever's there. Now, Dennis Allen highlighted that they really like having the big back, that they like Jamal Williams as a big back. They feel like they haven't had it over the course of the past couple of years. You could probably say since Latavius Murray, uh, well, not the the practice squad version of Latavius Murray that was eventually signed away by the Denver Broncos, but when he was actually with the team uh, and he was running against the Denver Broncos a couple of years ago. The Saints haven't really had that guy. And so that will be the role that Jamal Williams will primarily play more than likely. But all of these other little pieces of his game make him hard to predict and hard to match up with. So as long as he continues to develop these things, it will get better for him. The next piece is how he bolsters the New Orleans Saints' red zone attack. The Saints had trouble getting into the red zone last year between the 20s and had trouble executing once they got to the red zone within the 20s after a certain point last season. And A big part of that was play calling, right? And a big part of that was choosing the personnel to be out on the field. They didn't put the hands, they put the ball in the hands of Alvin Kamara very often, but when they did, it was obvious to the defense that that's where the Saints were going. Or not necessarily it was obvious to the Saints defense, but after a certain point, Alvin Kamara was kind of your only guy, right? It was either Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill in the red zone. They eventually got Chris Olave rolling there who demanded a little bit of attention, but that became a two-person job while the rest of the nine players on defense got to key in on, okay, what are they doing in the backfield? So that made things a little bit more challenging. But now you've got Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, uh, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Brian Edwards, some of these guys, A.T. Perry, if he can get that contested catch issue that he's having right now um, solved, you're getting all of these other pieces that keep the defense stretched in the condensed area. So now your attack of Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, uh, Taysom Hill, and then look, y'all, if Kirk Merritt makes the roster, I think you consider Kirk Merritt here too because of his receiving ability. And so all of the different pieces that they now have over an offense, if everyone stays healthy, of course, um, end up making it a little bit easier for that red zone attack. And of course, with Jamal Williams being so impactful and so effective there, having a defense more stretched out laterally, more stretched out uh, sideline to sideline, where he can shoot those gaps and win those one-on-one bouts with linebackers and safeties and things like that, it'll make it all the more impactful when he touches the ball in the red zone. Same thing for Taysom Hill, same thing for Alvin Kamara. Coming up next, let's take a look at what the OTA lineups look like for the New Orleans Saints. We're gonna look at the wide receivers, specifically over on the offensive side, but over on the defensive side, we're looking at, Uh, A little bit of Peyton Turner magic. So we got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs, the apparel company that you have been waiting for, whether it's for you or if you're looking for a good gift for Father's Day, which is right around the corner, you can head over to birddogs.com slash Locked on NFL and get the deal of a lifetime and the clothes that you'll just simply never want to take off. I own four pairs of, bir- of bird dogs, no cap, four pairs. I've got uh, a pair of joggers. I've got four pairs of shorts. I want more joggers. Anybody wants to send me a Father's Day uh, present, I ain't no daddy, but you can send me over some pants if you want to from birddogs.com slash Locked NFL because I love these that much so, if you're looking for something that's that athleisure wear, something that fits better than some of that Lululemon stuff, you want something that looks a little bit better on you, looks great on you, but also meets like your exact specifications in seam length, uh, liners, no liners. You have so many options, you can build almost your favorite pair of pants over at Bird Dogs. So, you want to check them out today, BirdDogs.com locked on NFL, and don't forget to use the promo code locked on NFL, all one word, all caps. So, you can get a free Yeti style Tumblr with your order. It's super dope. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for that free Yeti style Tumblr. You won't want to take those bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks so much, as always, for being here with us and making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Remember, if you want to keep the conversation going with me one on one, you can head over to joinsubtext.com. Slash locked on Saints. It's a text line where you'll be able to reach me directly and we can have one on one conversations. I can reach out to everybody, get some questions, things like that as well. Uh, there's a free 14 day trial, $4.99. If you want to support the show per month after that, you totally can. Otherwise, give the trial a shot, see what you think. All right, so we're taking a look now at the lineups for the New Orleans Saints and what they showed uh, during OTA. So here is the uh, starting offense for the New Orleans Saints. Of course, your starting quarterback was Derek Carr. Your starting running back was Jamal Williams. Um, the Saints played a little bit of sl- played a little bit of 11 personnel and 12 personnel, meaning that in some cases it was uh, one running back, two tight ends. In other cases it was one running back, one tight end with three wide receivers. So the two tight ends that, uh, that they shifted through unsurprisingly were Juwan Johnson and Foss Moreau with the first team. Uh, your offensive line going from right to left was Storm Norton at right tackle, Calvin Throckmorton at right guard. It's fun how much that actually kind of rhymes. Uh, your center was Eric McCoy. Uh, Lewis Kidd was in at left guard, and then um, uh, Landon Young was in at left tackle. So the the reason why I highlight those is because it, it, Storm Norton and Landon Young have spent some time kind of switching off tackle spots, which is kind of nice to see. And then at wide receiver, I'll list here. Chris Olave on the outside, Malik Flowers on the outside, and Brian Edwards in the slot. But the fact of the matter is that that is kind of a that was kind of like the first look. But really, you saw a lot of guys rotate in and out and get more, you know, wide receiver snaps. We saw some Shaq Davis. We saw some At Perry. Uh, we saw some uh, James Washington who was back. So it 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 was one of those things to where it was really a lot of different players that rotated within those team snaps, but. This was kind of the primary overall first look. So the the thing I want to focus on first here uh is going to be the wide receivers. So again I have listed uh Chris Olave, Brian Edwards as well as Malik Flowers, but the the highlight here is actually how much they rotated all these different wide receivers. Remember Rashid Shaheed wasn't there for the for for Tuesday's practice this week. Uh we're not sure why. It there was nothing that kind of came up or was mentioned as being an issue or anything like that. Um so, you know, we'll, we'll, see. Um, we'll see at mandatory minicamps next week how that all goes. But because he wasn't there, it did open up opportunities for other wide receivers to kind of be able to get into the mix. And remember, Michael Thomas was present, and he was working with the quarterbacks off to the side, but he didn't take part in drills. So really, your only starting wide receiver was Chris Olave, which gave the Saints the opportunity to get a look at a bunch of other wide receivers. Traquan Smith had a great day. I want to highlight that Jameis Winston had a really, really nice day as well, probably his best day so far in OTAs in terms of what we have been able to see out of the three. Um, so w- when you look at that wide receiver rotation, I think the reason why that's important is because y- you know the Saints top three, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Rahid, you could say it in your sleep, but who are the guys behind that? Uh, Traquan Smith, uh, Brian Edwards, James Washington, A.T. Perry, Malik Flowers, Shaq Davis. There's so many different, Creek Keith Kirkwood's in there. There's so many different receivers on this roster right now that getting a look at some of the guys behind the top three is actually a really good thing for the New Orleans Saints offense. Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, Cody Burns, everybody. And so I love getting the opportunity to see that because I still think that the Saints have a slot issue that they need to solve. Like who is the slot wide receiver? And look, the Saints might go into the season going into 2023, not trading for Hunter Renfro and saying that the slot can be manned by four by four of the five receivers on the 53-man roster. And that's fine. That's a totally fine way to go. Creates a bunch of mismatch problems, allows you to kind of be a little bit shifty, shady with the way that you deploy people. You have two, three, four tight ends now. Jesse James making catches over the seam for touchdowns thrown by Jameis Winston. Lucas Quirrell continues to look good. And then of course you have your two tight ends. All four of those guys can line up in the slot, in line, do whatever you want with them. So the Saints could have a lot of versatility over on offense. And let's not forget that Taysom Hill can play in that role as well. So I just want to highlight the rotation of wide receivers, but also knowing that, hey, you're going to see a lot of different pass catching options from this New Orleans Saints offense in 2023. Uh, there was one specific play that stood out in terms of that rotation, and it was a jet sweep that they ran to Malik Flowers. So think about the jet sweep that they ran with Rashid Shaheed up against the Cincinnati Bengals last year. That same type of play going the opposite direction didn't run for a touchdown for 40 plus yards. Of course, they were operating in the red zone, but he did get some nice yardage on it, and you could see that speed once he got the ball in his hands. Um, again, Jameis Winston had a great day through a pair of touchdowns to Traquan Smith. Also threw a touchdown to, um, threw a touchdown to um, 81. 81. Oh, Jesse James, of course, the new the new uh, tight end over uh, there in in seven on seven. So he threw uh, a touchdown to the corner as well to uh, Kawan Baker, who was it was kind of a blown coverage. He was wide open over there. Uh, threw uh, a touchdown to Traquan Smith while Bradley Roby was in coverage, uh, completed a pass to Lucas Kroll over the middle, then threw the touchdown to Jesse James over the seam, and then threw another touchdown um, over into the back of the end zone with Adrian Fry in coverage. So really, really nice stuff from Jameis Winston, probably his best showing so far, like I mentioned, in OTAs. Um, uh, Derek Carr, though, did throw a touchdown to Jamal Williams uh, out of the backfield. So that's, again, something to, uh, to keep an eye on is his contributions as a pass catcher. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the football now. So we took a look at the offense. Let's swap over to the defense here. And so with the defense, what we're looking at goes a little bit deeper. The defensive line, we saw Tono Passigno and Cameron Jordan, both starting at the defensive end spots. Uh, we saw Malcolm Roach playing one tech, Brian Brzee playing three tech. So he was the one that was lining a little bit further outside between the guard and the tackle uh, attacking sort of that immediate interior penetration spot. Um, that was Brian Brazee's first set of uh, of uh, first-team reps, and so it was great to see that. We had uh, in a base set with three linebackers in two corners, we had Alante Taylor as well as Bradley Roby starting at corner. Your three starting linebackers were Pete Werner, uh, DeMario Davis, and Zach Bond. We did see DeMarco Jackson wrote in, rotate in for DeMario Davis. And uh, Nephi Sewell wrote in, rotate in for uh, Pete Werner as well at Mike and Will. And then we had the two starting safeties at uh, being Tyron Matthew, of course, as well as uh, Marcus May. Now, the, the thing about the the safeties is like you can designate them as strong safety, free safety, but really these guys play, you know, whatever role is being asked of them. Uh, so, you know, Brian Brzee getting those first team reps was great. It, it wasn't just about the situation that they were working on, which was red zone stuff. I think it's also about his progression. Uh, as well. So I think that that's, that's a good sign for Brian Brzee. If you want more on that, I, I broke it down in yesterday's uh, live episode. I, I do want to mention though that not on that lineup um, was Peyton Turner who rotated in in place of Tano Passanio. And Peyton Turner getting those early team reps, getting you know, being present for all three weeks of OTAs, there, there's a lot to be said there in terms of A, his health has allowed him to be out there. But then B just like seeing him put in the work, seeing him be in shape, seeing him out on the field, all those other things. That's good news for Peyton Turner because if the Saints have a, you know a, a a usually impactful or or an as impactful as usual Cam Jordan and Isaiah Foskey that comes in and contributes uh you know as as a pass rusher and whose role grows over the course of the season, uh Carl Granderson who picks up at you know 90% of where he left off last year. And then a Peyton Turner that, is, that shows some development and some steps forward, that's a scary rushing attack for the New Orleans Saints on the edge. And then if you have a guy like um, DeMarco Jackson and, and of course DeMario Davis, who continue to contribute as pass rushers from the second level, I think all that really helps too. But I know the Saints really want to get back to being able to create and generate pressure with their front four and attacking guys like Brian Brzee and Nathan Shepard and Colin Saunders and Malcolm Roach and you know uh, uh, Isaiah Foskey, all those guys help. But then if you can get just a little uptick uh, from Peyton Turner uh, in terms of availability as well as impactfulness when he's on the field, which we've always seen him be impactful when he is on the field, the issue is being on the field for him. uh, Then all of a sudden, the Saints are in a really, really solid place over on the defensive line. All right, coming up next, how does Dalvin Cook's potential release, or I, I would even go so far as to say expected release, inevitable release potentially impact the new orleans saints it won't happen directly but it could happen indirectly let's discuss why to uh, close out today's episode of locked on saints put a Locked on podcast network your team every day let's Get it, that Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints. Look at Dalvin Cook and why this potential or expected release of Dalvin Cook, which could happen later on today by the Minnesota Vikings, according to Ian Rapport and others uh, who are reporting this. Um, how it impacts the New Orleans Saints and and look, it's not going to impact them directly because should the Saints sign Dalvin Cook, absolutely not. Do they have? Do they need to sign Dalvin Cook? Absolutely not. They have done a really, really good job as uh, Mike Triplett over at New Orleans.Football laid out in a tweet earlier this morning that they've reinforced those running backs, that, that running back room. They've got Alvin Kamara. They've got Taysom Hill who can contribute as a rusher. doesn't have to be out of the backfield, can be from quarterback as well. But then they add Kendra Miller. They add Jamal Williams. They might have found something in some of these other guys that are going to be you know, uh, competing for the practice squad spots and stuff like that, and potentially even a fourth running back spot. Who knows? Um uh, all of that makes it so that the Saints don't need to go out there and get Dalvin Cook, which is actually a good place for the New Orleans Saints to be. Hi, welcome to being a good roster, right? Like this is this is something that usually a player of Dalvin Cook's caliber gets released, like when DeAndre Hopkins did, everyone kind of goes, "Well, shouldn't should the Saints why don't the Saints can the Saints should the Saints have the Saints and all these other things." You don't have to do that. When it comes to Dalvin Cook, everybody's just sitting back, chilling, laid up, like, Bob, we're good." Like everybody's good. And that's a good thing for the New Orleans Saints. So it just goes to show that the offseason has been successful for New Orleans so far, that they didn't have to wait until June for a potential running back release. They went out and got the guy that they wanted. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, he's ready He's ready to shine. He's been doing a really, really good job. So um, you got to love that for New Orleans, that they don't have to have interest in Dalvin Cook and therefore likely won't have interest uh, in Dalvin Cook, though this team has been greedy before. And look, they got a lot of money to spend. Uh, with their little Ponzi scheme, apparently, that they have going on. So they're doing great. Um, the, the question mark here is, d- does Dalvin Cook end up landing in the division? Because there's, there's potential for that, right? Like the Carolina Panthers want to compete. And if the Carolina Panthers want to compete, Miles Sanders is your running back. It's probably not the way to do it. Now, Chuba Hubbard has a ton of potential. And we'll see which way the New Orleans Saints or which way the Carolina Panthers go go there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just now realizing I didn't mention Eno Benjamin in that running back equation for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, he would be somebody to watch as well. Didn't get a chance to see him during OTAs because he was kind of working off to the side, present, but not participating, is the usual phrase. Uh so kind of just slipped my mind there. But of course, he's a part of that running back room that will be competing for a roster spot, not just a, a practice squad spot. Uh, I thought about Chuba Hubbard and then it made me think of Eno Benjamin. Uh but yeah, I, I don't know that in Tampa, Rashad White is the guy that's going to be able to do it all for you, you know? And so having a guy like Dalvin Cook has some value to teams with young running, excuse me, young quarterbacks. And the Atlanta Falcons don't have to worry about it. They've got Bijan Robinson, they've got Tyler Algier, they'll be fine uh, for their young, young quarterback supported in the back, being supported in the backfield, plus CP Cordell Patterson, who can also help there. But Carolina Panthers and the in the Tampa Buccaneers, if they feel like they can compete here in 2023, which if you're the Tampa Buccaneers, you're probably taking a seat at this point. But either way, you're gonna have young quarterbacks there or quarterbacks that haven't haven't panned out in the NFL successfully consistently just yet, right? That would be if Baker Mayfield beats out Kyle Trask for the starting position uh, in Tampa, which I would expect. But if the Carolina Panthers roll with Andy Dalton, you're going to want a run game. If the Carolina Panthers roll with Bryce Young right off the bat as a rookie quarterback, you're going to want a run game. So there's a potential that those two teams can get involved. The media favorites when it comes to comes to these players, and, and there's reason for this. It's not just the media, national media, just like spouting out stuff. There's reason for this. But the media favorites to land Dalvin Cook are going to be outside of the conference. It's going to be the Miami Dolphins, as well as, of course, the Denver, as well as the Denver Broncos. The Miami Dolphins, there's a lot of reason to point out why Dalvin Cook legitimately wants to play in Miami. He's from the area, all those other things. Um, the Dolphins and Vikings went down the road on a trade, but didn't get it done. And so now if he does get released, and the reason why I'm saying if is that the reports are that Minnesota will still try to trade Dalvin Cook by the end of today, but if they can't get a deal done, then he'll be waived, released, cut, whichever verbiage you want to use. If you're watching on video, I have in my notes bar on the side. That says cut. That's probably not the right terminology, but it's what fit. All right, it's what fit. So that's what I used. Um, so I, I think that like what you're looking for in terms of the impact that this can have on the New Orleans Saints is if he lands within the division: uh, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It seems like a long shot that that will happen because again, the favorites are the Denver Broncos as well as the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but there is even like a little bit of a little bit further of an impact in this and. This goes all the way back to the 2017 draft class. Dalvin Cook was drafted in 2017 at pick 41 in the second round. Alvin Kamara was drafted at pick 69 in the nice third round um, after the Saints traded up with the San Francisco 49ers to get that deal done. Um, and And since then, there's been a lot of comparison between the two because both of these versatile running backs that are a little bit all around in terms of how they're able to contribute Dalvin Cook's maybe a little bit more of a traditional, if you will, runner, while Alvin Kamara has sort of this like scatback, um, really versatile, all around joker type, you know, player role to his game, which has been challenged over the course of the past couple of years without having a supporting cast uh, or, or reliably healthy supporting cast in the backfield. So I, I've always given Alvin Kamara the edge over Dalvin Cook, even though Dalvin Cook has exceeded, you know, rushing yards and and, and things like that as compared to Alvin Kamara. But for me, I look at Alvin Kamara's all-around game, sort of the way that we talk about, like, you know, Gale Sayers and stuff like that. Like, we we talk about those players being all-around players, doing things that no one else is doing at their position. And so I've always given Alvin Kamara the benefit of the additional contributions that he has to a team because of what he can do in the run game. If Dalvin Cook ends up in Denver, it pairs him up with Sean Payton, who masterminded the role of Alvin Kamara. So now the 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 comparisons of how these two running backs perform throughout their career can start to maybe get a little bit tighter because you get to see Dalvin Cook with Sean Payton, the same head coach that made Alvin Kamara, different, right? And so if he ends up in Denver, there becomes a little bit of a running back draft class, not competition between the two, but competition in terms of the evaluation of how these two players uh, end up, who ends up being better than the other. And now you would actually get to see them both in similar systems being utilized in similar ways by the same head coach. So it could get really interesting if that happens. I think some of that still happens if he ends up with Mike McDaniel in Miami, by the way, but the direct comparison of both working with Sean Payton and who has more success, even though it's later in Dalvin, Alvin Cook's career than it was in Alvin Kamara's career. If the two roles start to reverse, then you get an idea of maybe an argument about which one of the two running backs is better. But here, here, hear me out when I say I still give Alvin Kamara the edge. All right. Coming up later on today, we're gonna go through our live show over on the Locked On Saints YouTube page, which will be also published to audio very quickly, very soon after. Uh, we're gonna be taking a look at the players that didn't necessarily stand out that We'll need you know better performances in mini camps as well as training camp to make sure that they're solidifying their roles, if not their roster spots in some cases. So we're going to take a look at that. And then coming up tomorrow around this same time, we're going to be taking a look at um, looking at your questions from uh, some of the chats all throughout the week, as well as, of course, breaking down a little bit more on Taysom Hill and the expectations for minicamp looking ahead to next week. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for coming through, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day. And of course, making us a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, Uh, if you see me, say hi. There has been someone who has seen me walk in the greenway, uh, rolling around. They've been driving a car and they see me and they've been shouting at me near the French truck. Uh, Hi. I love it. It makes me so happy. But I need to make sure that I like stop and talk to you the next time that I see you. So make sure that that happens uh, if you see this. And also, uh, I want to I want to mention Ray, uh, one of our newest listeners who just found the podcast. Welcome, welcome to the family. Uh, very much. Very, very excited to have you here and uh, hope that you like it. Hope that you stick around. I appreciate y'all. And as always, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.